Good evening. Good to see everybody out here this evening. I, I don't want to be disingenuous about uh, what this lesson, if you want to call it that, is going to be, because uh, what I really want to talk tonight about and remind us all of is a resource that we have available to us here at the congregation of Center Grove, um, you know, resources that are available, that the church makes available, sometimes at the cost of the church, are things that we need to take advantage of. Uh, the elders uh, do a lot at this congregation between various lectureships, gospel meetings, and otherwise, uh, to make sure that we are spiritually well-fed. And it's our duty as sheep uh, kind of to go to the feeding spot, right? We have to go and eat what the shepherds give us. And so that's what I want to talk about and really what I'm going to focus on tonight. But I want to take a little bit of time about getting there and get our mindset uh, kind of turned that direction before we talk about the resource. And so to start, a simple question, how do you know you're a Christian. Now, I don't mean this question in a theological sense, because if we want to talk to our religious neighbors and friends, uh, there might be a lot of confusion over what a Christian even is. Uh, what makes a person a Christian? How does one become a Christian? That's not the direction I'm really going with this. What I'm more asking is a, is a more practical question. If you were to examine your life from the outside even, which none of us can, unfortunately, but if you were going to examine your life and look at yourself in the mirror in some ways, how would you know that you're a Christian? How would you know that that's who you are just by looking at you? Really, it's a question about identity. I did a lesson a while back, maybe even years ago, on identity and how that's such a hot topic today. People having certain identities that they uh, believe themselves to fall into, they change their lives through surgery or dress or whatever to try to fit that identity. But I'm thinking about Christian identity. How do we know that we're a Christian? How would other people know that we're a Christian? You can kind of do some hypothetical statements, maybe even some ridiculous ones. If I were to ask a person, well, how do you know that you're a golfer, right? And they, I said, well, you, you claim to be a golfer. How do you know you're a golfer? Well, they say, well, I've got a golf bag sitting in my closet, right? And I believe golf bags are very popular uh, Christmas present for men, especially those who have shown an interest in golfing, but I would imagine there's lots of dusty golf bags sitting in closets, right? You say, I'm a golfer because I have a golf bag. Well, that logic may not necessarily check out if you never go golfing, right? Maybe you'll get around to it someday. Well, we could use the same logic say, well, how do you know you're a Christian? How do you know that you identify that way? Well, you say, I've got a Bible at my house, right? I've got all kinds of Bibles at my house. Every shelf has a Bible on it, and that's how I know that I'm a Christian, because I've bought in. I have the book, if you will, and so maybe you're a Bible-on-a-shelf Christian. That's how you know that you're a Christian, because you have Bibles at home. Well, imagine another person that comes up to you and says, well, I identify as a doctor. That's a strange thing to say, but in today's world, that's no more strange than most of it. I identify as a doctor. And you say, well, how do you know that you're a doctor? And that person says, well, every time that I get a cup, cut or a scrape, I put a Band-Aid on it. So I self-medicate in that way, if you will. And I'm my own doctor, right? We say, well, hmm, that... That may help some things and certain things, but that doesn't get to the root of some problems that you may have. Well, there may be Christians. Well, you say, how do you know that you're a Christian? Well, they say, well, hey, I pray at dinner time, and I pray when things are going bad in my life, when I get a bad diagnosis, when I have something in my life that I'm at the end of my rope, there's nobody else that can help me. Then at that moment, 
I'll finally turn to God and I'll say a prayer and say, God, if there's anything that can be done, just pray that you would do it. So maybe you're an occasional prayer Christian. I know that I'm a Christian because I say the occasional prayer. And that, that shows that I'm talking to God. I'm keeping that line open, if you will. And that's how I know that I'm a Christian. Well, again, what it kind of begs the question is what kind of Christian are you? What kind of Christian are you tonight? Maybe you can answer that question where you sit when you ask, what, what kind of Christian am I? I would even want to get away from using things like good Christian and bad Christian. We're not trying to make anybody feel bad, but examine your Christian life and think, what, what kind of Christian am I? And if you'll indulge me for just a minute, I, I want to stop short of giving my testimony, but I'd like to talk about a time that I had to kind of figure out what kind of Christian I was. Now, a lot of you at this congregation know me. You've known me from pre-birth or at birth, right? For those that don't know, I grew up at this congregation. Uh, this is me wearing one of our SpongeBob Bible Bowl t-shirts, and I've got uh, my brother Elijah under my left arm there, and the other one is the kind young gentleman that led the opening prayer a few minutes ago. Uh, I grew up at this congregation, right? I grew up in and around the church. I, I, church was my life, right? There was never a question. We were here every time the doors were open. So I grew up in the church. I don't say that to say I'm better than those who didn't. I'm just telling you what happened with me. This is what happened. I grew up in the church. And the church, again, our life revolved around that. The big events of the year were things like going to the retreats, right? I remember uh, retreats at Camp Discovery, and I found another picture of me and a, a greasy teenage Kevin Moss who's over here on the computer, right? We were at Camp Discovery. That was huge, right? These were the things that I loved to do. That, that was the milestones of my life. And another thing that I found was I loved Bible Bowl, right? That was Center Grove's first place Bible Bowl team from back in the day. Man, we were good at Bible Bowl. We got some high scores. We got first place in the junior division. We were excited. Me, Ben, Kaylee, and Lige, we just did really well at the Bible Bowl. And that was always kind of a feather in my cap. I was really good at Bible Bowl, and I enjoyed that. Well, you go on down the line, and around the time this picture was taken is shortly after I was baptized. You look at the teen class here, and there I am in the back. I'm sorry, Kendra, I'm going to strike through your face there. But I was in Bible classes. I was in the Bible classes. I was learning at the feet of great Bible teachers like everyone else. Uh, and then, in fact, shortly after this, we moved to Zion, and once there, I started preaching. And now, again, uh, very humble beginnings. I would hate to go back and listen to some of those first ones, but I did. I started preaching, and as the years went on, I had more opportunities to preach. I had opportunities to teach Bible classes. As I came back to Center Grove, I filled some of those roles myself and found myself, again, kind of in a groove of Christianity, right? Uh, things were going well. They seemed to be going right, and yet there's a problem, I knew that I was not what I needed to be. Now, again, this is no great revelation. All of us come to this knowledge that, hey, I'm not exactly where I need to be in my life. And one of the reasons that I knew that was because I looked at my prayer life. I looked at my study life, my study habits of the Bible during the week and realized I was dedicating almost no time to God. And you say, well, you're, you were preaching and teaching Bible classes. But the preachers and teachers in here can tell you there's a difference between studying for a class or studying for a sermon, and studying for yourself. I wasn't doing that. I wasn't interested in that. In fact, I had very little interest in a lot of spiritual things in general, so I kind of found myself at one point in a spiritual crisis, and then one major thing happened to me that happened to every single other person in this room. COVID, right? 
March 11th, 2020, I don't know why they picked this day in particular. I guess President Trump made an address on that night. That was when the news came out. I remember standing in my laundry room and hearing, Tom Hanks has the coronavirus. And I thought, we can't lose Tom Hanks, right? He's so good. But I heard that he had the coronavirus. You saw these videos of people in gas masks, and all of a sudden COVID happens. And then what happens with us? We don't know what's going on. In fact, now I think a lot of us wish we had a time machine to go back and maybe change the way we did some things because we know more now than we knew then, but we didn't know anything then. We were afraid. We, we were afraid for the lives of ourselves and for those that we loved. So we cut back services, right? We, we stopped having in-person services. We created the wonderful live stream setup that we have. And then I found myself in deep trouble because I realized that the kind of Christian that I was was a church building Christian. This is where I was a Christian. Right now, again, it's not that I was an evil person out there. It's not that I was going around, you know, living, uh, you know, lasciviously and cursing and drinking and stealing. That's not what was happening out there. It's just what happened in here didn't really touch the things that happened out there, right? That was the normal life. That was my work life, my social life, life with my family, going on trips. That's just what happened out there. When the services were taken away from me as maybe as crazy as that sounds, I almost had a panic attack. Because I looked in the mirror and said, how would I know I'm a Christian when I can't go to the building, when I can't be in the services, when I can't teach a Bible class in person? How do I even know that I'm a Christian? How can I show that identity if that's the only facet of my life in this building where that happens? It brings up this, this idea that a lot of people have of going to church. Now, again, as young as I can remember, people always taught me, well, the church is not the building, right? The church is the people. And yet we still, you know, do the thing, here is the church, here's the steeple, open the door and see all the people. I think we should amend that, right? The church is the people. The church is the people inside. And yet people have this idea of going to church, and as long as I show up and get my attendance card punched, that's sufficient, right? There are some people, in fact, that think, hey, one time is enough, right? There's Sunday morning only Christians. I know that you're here on a Sunday night, and I, I thank you for that. That's a wonderful thing to do. That's a, that is something to be proud of. And there are those that could be here tonight that aren't, and shame on them. I'm just going to say it. Shame on them. Shame on them for not coming to the Bible studies when they have opportunity. Some out of ignorance, some because they know better but just don't want to. And yet even then, for us that are here, every time the doors are open, and several of us are, we're here every time that we have the opportunity, we can find ourselves identifying as a Christian specifically in that. I'm faithful because I'm here. I'm a good Christian because I'm always there. But that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. That isn't the best metric of faithfulness. That's not the best metric of what kind of Christian that we truly are. What kind of Christian would the Bible call us to be? If we're imagining you know, a church building only Christian, you know, Sundays and Wednesdays only, well, what would the Bible teach us? Think about Luke chapter 9. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and, kill, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And then it's after this, Jesus just said, I'm going to go through all these difficult things. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus says, I'm going to do all these difficult things, and anybody that wants to follow me has to take up his cross, not once, not on Sunday, but daily. Christianity is an exercise that's played out in the day-to-day -day lives of Christians. Think about what Paul said in Romans chapter 12. 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. The idea that we ourselves would be holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Question, does coming to church on Sunday and Wednesday and that being the extent of it, is that a living sacrifice? We're not cutting much of ourselves off there, are we? Just a little bit for God. Uh, I heard a preacher one time say God is not interested in weekend visitation, and yet a lot of times that's what we give him, Right? And yet right after this, this verse, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That will not just happen on Sunday and Wednesday. That's the only day you're working towards transformation, being transformed into what God wants you to be. It'll never happen. There's not enough hours and time during these few worship service and Bible class settings to have that transformation take place. And so what does a living sacrifice look like? We have to be people that give our whole selves to God throughout the week. I I think about Bible study and and the the thinking and meditating on the words of God. And Mike read Psalm 1 earlier talking about, you know, blesses the man who stays away from all of these potential pratfalls of sin and and the the different things that come with that. And instead blesses he that meditates on the law of God. And he meditates on it day in night, right? We're talking about a daily meditation on the law of God. I think about Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And, all, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Now, note what he says. You shall teach them diligently to your children. I've heard so many sermons that focus on that statement right there, right? These are important things about God. You've got to learn them and you've got to teach them to your kids. And we focus on that and we say, yes, the kids got to learn, right? That there's something they need to know. We've got to teach them. But look at what it says after this. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Question, is that for the kids, or is that for you? It's for us. We need that too. Memory verses aren't just for kids. Bible classes aren't just for kids. Bible study isn't just so kids can learn the stories that we learned years ago. We all need that in front of us constantly. And so as I came to this point in my life where I said, well, I really only identify as a Christian because I go to church. And once that's taken away from me, I don't know how I'm a Christian you know, I don't know how I would show anybody else that identity if they looked at me out in the world. And so the question that kind of comes to the top is, what am I going to do? <laughs> what am I going to do to change this? Something has to happen. Something has to be changed. Now, that decision moment, I've been told, and I haven't been around the block as many times as some, but I'm told that really every Christian or every person comes to a point in their life where they have to make these hard decisions. And the only person that can make them is you. Am I going to be serious about this? Am I going to truly be dedicated to God? And and to be honest with you, I can't help you do that for yourself. I can tell you how great God is. I can tell you how wonderful Jesus is. I can tell you that salvation is found exclusively in them. But I can't make you decide to serve them. I can't make you decide to love God. You have to do that for yourself. But the good thing is once that decision is made, once you cut through everything around and you decide, I'm going on the straight and narrow, I make that decision, then there's really nothing that can stop you, right? Once you've decided that, you can succeed. 
But the question that always comes after that is, well, how do I do it? You know, I want to make a change. I want to be different than I was. I I want to be a person who studies God's word, who meditates on spiritual things, who exhibits the fruit of the spirit in my life. And so that really comes down to a question a lot of time of resources. I told you we'd loop back around to this, right? Resources. We, We need resources to help us because, again, I think about the lesson this morning, and I, what a wonderful lesson. I've loved these studies, learning with Brother John. It's just so wonderful. I, I could eat it up, right? But I don't know Greek. I don't know Hebrew. I don't have the time to do those things. And so I need resources to help me understand things that I couldn't understand otherwise. People smarter than me have to do things so that I can understand them on the level that I'm at. We have all kinds of resources, and recently at the retreat, I, I did a little talk on, you know, I, I desire to study God's Word, and I talked about resources that are available to every single person today. Almost everybody has access to a Bible. You can get it on your phone through an app. You can listen to an audiobook online. Uh, again, you can get this in so many ways, so many great websites. Apologetics Press has so much good information, Christian Courier, all of these wonderful things. Those are available to everybody for free, right? But we have a resource here at Center Grove that you may or may not know about that is something that not everybody has access to. It's something we actually pay for. And I just wanted to use this time to remind you that we have it and inspire you to use it. And that resource is called PTP 365. This is a video service. It used to be video and audio, but I think now it's just video. It's a service that takes hundreds of sermons that have been preached and puts them on an internet site there that you can access from a computer, you can access it from your phone, and you can watch these sermons, again, anytime during the week, and, and search through topics, search through different things, and just kind of pick what you want to learn about, what you want to listen to. Now, if you wonder what the PTP stands for, some people may not know, but this is tied into an event called Polishing the Pulpit. Uh, this is an event that happens every year. It happens uh, up in and again thousands of Christians descend upon the Smoky Mountains right and they come together and it's just wall-to-wall classes the 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 greatest preachers that you'll hear now again we have great ones here too but really great preachers you might not have heard before all come together to teach classes on a variety of topics they have classes for elders for deacons uh, for you know youth workers they have them for teens they have them for all types of people young parents all of these things it's a great experience a group of us lord willing are planning to go to this several of us already have tickets so if you're interested have questions about this and would be interested in attending please seek me out seek uh, my wife out talk to us there's a few others that are planning to go Uh, it would be a great thing for you to go do this to experience the growth that comes with us it's a wonderful opportunity but the thing is not everybody can take time off to go to polish in the pool pit not everybody can be there when it happens and yet we have this resource that allows us to reap the benefits of it right and so I'm going to walk you through this may be very bad sermon etiquette but I'm just going to do it I'm just going to walk you through how to sign up for this website and show you how easy it is you would go to 365.polishingthepulpit.com don't pull your phone out now unless you think you'll forget it and then you can 
365.polishingthepulpit.com. You go to this website, and this is available, again, if you forget it, ask me, ask Brian. Uh, that's available here in the church to get you that information. And when you do, it's going to bring you up to a page that looks like this, okay? You, you see this page, and again, I dread signing up for new websites. I'm like, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? Uh, sometimes you don't know. But what you're going to do is you're going to go up here, and you're going to hit the sign up button okay the sign up button after you hit that button and now i'm going to switch to phone because i think most all of us would be doing this on our phone after you hit this sign up button on your phone it's going to ask you how would you like to sign up if you are a member of the Cinder grove church of christ here in our congregation because we pay for our congregation it's not like sharing a netflix password i think they're trying to tamp down on that too right we can't share it with every church in jackson county but for those that are members here you are able to select i am a member of a subscribing congregation once you select that it's going to bring you to this screen and it asks you to type in the congregation name you just start typing Cinder grove and we will come up on the list it comes up under there. You just select Center Grove Church of Christ. You click on it, and it's right there. Once you do that, you are going to hit the sign up button. It's right there in blue. Hit the sign up button, and it's going to ask you to put in your full name, you know, your, your first and last, and then your email address. You're going to do that. You're going to hit sign up, and then you're going to wait. You have to wait because there's one man that can let you into PTP 365, and his name is Brian Trisdale. He's our administrator over PTP 365, and so he is going to, if you sign up for this, he's going to see your email, and then he will accept you in. That's so Billy Bob Joe can't just come across this and, and sign in and get in under our account, right? This is for members of Center Grove. Now, Brian has told me a couple things. One, he said he is just rip, rip, roaring, ready to go to hit the go button on letting people into this. Two, he is going to tell me how many people sign up. That should scare you, because I'm going to know if nobody signs up for this, right? But you should. You should if you haven't, because, again, it's such a great resource. And like Brian, I said, Brian said he's happy to let you in, and we would love for people to get in on it. Once you do, you're going to come to a website that looks like this, right? It's got a big polish in the pulpit, tree growing out of a book there. At the top bar, if you see, there's going to be a button that says search. Now, you can go to browse and just look through what they have. There's lots of great stuff. But if you're looking for something particular, a keyword, a topic, a doctrine, uh, you know, any scripture, any book of the Bible, type that in, and you're going to have all kinds of results come up that you can look at to learn from on that. Now, for the next few minutes, I just want to give you, and if you don't have something to write these down, uh, maybe you can go back and watch this. I'm just going to give you a few suggestions. Uh, it's like somebody giving you a mixtape of their favorite songs. These are some of, this is my sermon mixtape. These are sermons that I really enjoy listening to and I think would be helpful to you. First, Dan Winkler is one of my absolute favorite preachers. He's a wonderful man, a wonderful preacher of the gospel. And he has a sermon called Didn't Mary Have Cheaper Perfume that I think every member of the church should listen to. It is a sermon that will step on every toe in the room, mine included, right? It's a sermon that goes from, again, all around the room. And he talks about this idea that people brought up at the time when Mary came in and she anointed Jesus with the costly oil, right? And someone said, couldn't that have been sold and given to the poor? Couldn't she have used cheaper perfume? And he, he talks about that idea. Is, is it okay to not give our best? If we have the best to give, is it okay not to give that to the Lord and to give it to each other in the church? It's a wonderful lesson. I would highly recommend you listen to it. You will get a lot out of it. Next, I have to thank 
Andrew Burris for turning me on to this one. I love Hiram Kemp. He's a great preacher at Paws in the Pulpit. I've heard him in person. But Andrew has been listening on PTP 365, and he said, you've got to listen to this lesson. I stand amazed. And in it, Hiram Kemp is going to break down and talk about that that song, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. But he takes that and talks about just how amazing Jesus is from birth, life, death, resurrection. Sometimes we become callous to it, right? We're used to these stories. We know about Jesus. We talk about him all the time. He stands back and says, just think for a moment how amazing it is that God came to this earth as a man and died for you and me. It's a, it's a wonderful lesson, and you'll get a lot out of it, and I thank Drew for turning me on to it. I'm going to cheat and give you two from bro- Brother Glenn Colley. He's a great speaker. You can hear him at Pippin coming up. He's going to be local. So once you go and hear him on here, you're going to want to go over there and hear him in person maybe. But he had two keynote lessons at Polish in the Pulpit that were great. The first is from last year. It was called Holy, Holy, Holy. He talked about the idea that God is holy. He is perfect. He is spotless, sinless, clean. And then he talks about the way that that translates over into our Christian life. As we looked in Romans 12, we're called to be a holy living sacrifice. What does that look like in our life? And then another one I would recommend, another song one, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus, another one that I had the opportunity to hear in person. Just a wonderful lesson about when everything else fails you in life, when, when, when your health fails you, when death comes to your family, when you lose your money, when you lose your friends, Jesus is there. That trust in him, he will not let us down. And it's a great sermon to bolster your faith in that. Beyond that, there's a lot of good cultural lessons on this service. One that, again, I listened to and thought was just wonderful. And it caught my eye because the title, it was called Save Our Boys. Almost sounds like something to do with the military, right? But the topic is about young men growing up in this generation. It was aimed at parents of young boys. And Ernest Benjamin, he goes over this lesson. He gives you statistics about what's happening in the world. And he goes into the the fact that in Proverbs, David tells Solomon what? Prove yourself a man. What does that mean in our context? What does it mean for boys to become men? What does it mean for Christian boys to become Christian men? How do we teach that in the church? And it's just a wonderful thing that we all need at this time in our culture. And then finally, uh, Cliff Goodwin, who we've had here to speak previously, he has a wonderful s- series of lessons on here, studies in First and Second Kings. Now, I gave this as an option for someone that wants to get into a book of the Bible. If you want to get in-depth, with a book of the Bible, I would highly recommend this series. He goes very deep into the language of these books. He talks about you know, the various stories, but gives you a lot of context, ties it into things in the New Testament, applications for today, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful series. I would highly, highly recommend it. And so those are a few of my suggestions to get you started. You're probably going to find a preacher that you like if you do this, and then you'll just want to listen to all of their lessons. That's what I've done in the past. But you might question how, you know, I appreciate that, Titus. This seems like a good thing. I just don't know how I'm going to use it with the life that I live. Let me give you a couple suggestions. One, if you're a young person, you've got some type of these, maybe not AirPods, but you've got some kind of headphones, right? Download this. I say download it. Just access it on your phone through the website, bookmark it, put your headphones in, go about your business doing a chore around the house, 
and listen to a couple of these sermons. They work great as podcasts. You can just listen to them. And for most of us, too, if you have a semi-newer television or a streaming device, you can actually stream this from your phone to the television. I don't need to ask you how many hours you sit in front of the television watching whatever else, but imagine just taking a little bit of that time and putting this on your TV, right? Learning something, soaking in God's word and taking that in, right? Now, again, this is just a resource to get God's word in front of your eyes. This is going to help you to meditate on God's word, to think about it throughout the week, to aid your Bible studies. But I want to give the disclaimer based on what I started this lesson with. Subscribing to PTP365 is not guaranteed to make you a good Christian, increase your faith, or grant free admission into heaven. I feel like I'm one of those drug commercials, right? Got to give you the Side effects. I say this because I started asking, what kind of Christian are you? How committed are you? And then I showed you this resource, right? This resource is a tool, and a tool is just that, right? It's something that we can use if we want to. It can help us do something, but it can only help us do something that we want to do in this case. If we want to strengthen our relationship with God, if we want to come to, to meditate on his word more often, then this is something that can help us do that. But it's no guarantee to fix all of your spiritual problems. But yet sometimes all we need is just a push in the right direction, making one change in our life. And what it really comes down to me is this. When I ask, how do I change my life as a Christian? How do I become that identity that I need to be as a Christian? It goes back to what Paul said in Galatians 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Constantly before Paul was the fact that I am alive walking, but my life is not for me anymore. So many of us live selfish lives, myself included. We focus on our own needs, our own desires, our own fun, and we don't realize that we're living on borrowed time. It all belongs to Jesus, and we have to have that mindset. And so can I just be a Sunday Christian who fully commits himself to Jesus? No way. I, I can't do that. It's impossible to do that. I can't just be a Sunday Christian. The biggest change you will ever make in your life as a Christian, I firmly believe, is the move from becoming a Sunday Christian to being a Monday Christian. Think about what John preached this morning. I'm going to be thinking about that all week. I'm going to be thinking about that maybe longer than that. The things that happen in this building are important. Don't let them fall out of your head as you walk out the door. Become a Monday Christian. Let Jesus affect the way you live your life on Monday. And once you do that, you're going to become a Tuesday Christian too, right? And you're going to be a Wednesday Christian because you're here. You're going to be thinking about Jesus on Thursday. You're going to be reading God's word all throughout the week. Every portion of your life is going to be infected with God's word. That's what we want. And ultimately the goal is that eventually we'll be an everyday Christian. That's what God expects. That's what Jesus expects of us. No, we're not going to do it perfectly. No, we're not going to be the perfect example to everyone around us. We're not going to study perfectly. We're not going to know everything. And yet this is what we can do. We can give our best. We can give of ourselves. And we can identify as a Christian because that's who we are Sunday to Saturday, every day, always. And we can do it. And I hope that if you find yourself in a position where you say, I need to make a change. I need to become more dedicated. I need to start studying God's word. Use this resource. Check it out. Listen to some sermons. See if it changes your life. What I found is once you get a taste for it, you're going to want more. 
You're going to want more and more preaching. You're going to want more and more of God's word. Uh, and we can all pray that that would be true for all of us.